Hello everyone, a very quick one from me before you enjoy this week's podcast. I just wanted to say a massive thank you to all of you that grabbed tickets for our first face-to-face event uh, in London since the, the COVID madness. We managed to sell out the events. There's going to be 120 recruitment professionals at the face-to-face podcast event in London this week. I'm so excited. For those of you that did grab tickets, I can't wait to connect with you face-to-face. For those of you that didn't, don't worry, we will be recording on the night. So we will publish the live event audio as a podcast in the coming weeks. I can't wait to see all of you this week. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Mazouz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Aaron Farrell, who is the managing director of a recruitment startup based in Bristol called Reviver Resourcing. Aaron started his recruitment career in 2012, where he progressed from trainee to a senior consultant before then actually taking the leap to start his first recruitment business called Curious Associates Limited. And after six years, he decided to start a very new chapter, uh, which is when Revival was born. Um, but this time, he's gone down the path of getting investment and getting support and investment in kickstarting uh, the Revival business journey, which we're going to talk all about today. They're currently a team of six, and I know Aaron has big plans for the future. So I'm really excited to see where uh, this business will forward to digging into this journey. But where we like to start on this podcast is the million pound question, which is, in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you feel make up a highly successful recruitment consultant? Oh, that's, that is a good question. It's actually, believe it or not, on, on our website. Uh, okay. What's the, what's the answer? Um, so uh, I've got a story and an answer for you. So um, okay, cool. it was a book that someone had shared a chapter to me years ago, and I, I can't remember the name of the book, but I can, I can dig it out for you. But in essence, they, they basically tried to evaluate who and what traits are the best salespeople in any sales environment, not just recruitment. And they they had thousands of sales staff globally, so they were able to take loads of data. And they looked at you know age, uh, sex, um, uh, you know, loads of different backgrounds. Factors. Yeah, yeah. They, they just looked at everything and, and tried to work out was there was there a formula. And they they took the ten top salespeople and they just couldn't separate the traits from them. And then after deep, deep cytometric testing, um, they finally found two key things. And that was, one was, was tenacity. So the people that, when, when things do go tough, you know, they can brush, brush it off and, and kind of reset. And, and number two was just hard work ethic. So these, typically these people were, you know, probably first in, last out type, you know, um, classic classic recruitment uh kind of working hours but um but those two things do stick with me i think i think the rest of things can be taught and i guess if, if you don't have that tenacity um it, it, it can be really really hard to, to to love what you do in recruitment and i was having a quite a funny situation the other day actually um i don't know if you when you were a kid, you used to play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah, I've, I've played I had it on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, so my, my friend kind of, there's like a new version of it, kind of updated, like new characters, and it's all all, all, all been like redone. Um, and we were around his house, and it was kind of 10 at night, and we were playing, and we were stuck on a level. And I swear, we, we were there for three hours, 
just trying, <laughs> just this, basically it was getting the high score on this level. It was like 250,000 points, but it was impossible. Um, we kept failing and failing and failing. And I just look back in, in, I guess for my, me personally, I look back over my whole life and I guess I've always loved challenges. I've always loved the difficulty in doing things and then overcoming that is that tenacity. And, and that's what I look in in people. Can they, can they show evidence of, of, of tenacity and hard work and, and, and you know can they can can they prove that when when I speak to them do you think that can grow tenacity do you think it can be cultivated can it grow definitely yeah I, I've seen it grow I've seen it I've seen it grow in recruiters who maybe haven't learned that that hardcore tenacity but other things can help them learn it so you know just talking of a you know one of my guys at the minute you know first month it was it was I guess hard for him to really see the commission because he's never earned commission before and then he popped in a couple deals and it was like wow you know I just got paid that in my pay slip well you know what that, that's real um and it's like yeah you know, you know it's unlimited in the sense of you make as many placements you can make as much as much commission as possible and um yeah that driving tenacity just just drove up you know and next gear so yeah I think I think it can be tool but I think it has to be in there somewhere you know I, I think you know there has to be some evidence of, of people that you know, don't give up, that, that try their best. So let, let's let's unpack this journey then. So I know what I'm really keen to speak with you about is the journey of you obviously having your own recruitment business, which you, you're on that journey for the second time now. So I'm, I'm, I'm keen to unpack that because I know that's a really interesting area for people. So just, just to where we always like to start, like how, so obviously worked at one company before you started your own business for the first time. Any, any, like, if you, a lot of people will say, oh, I learned this in that period and it's always stuck with me and these types of things. Like, what, what, what were some of the things that you had to learn quite quickly or maybe the hard way in those first couple of years of your recruitment career before you took the leap, do you think? What jumps out at you? It's an interesting question because I... Uh, okay. I've always been the type of person, uh, wrongly or rightly, that I've always backed myself to succeed in, you know, I'm kind of an all or nothing type person. Uh, and I'll happily put my hands up and say I was probably quite naive at the time of only having three years experience going into my, my first venture. But yeah, yeah, sure. I think I've always been the type of person that if I don't know something, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll do it and learn it later, if that makes sense. But yeah, I guess uh, for me, looking back, you know, sitting at a desk, you know, working for someone else, I just remember days and months going past of, you know, place making placements, doing deals, making commission, and going like this. This is getting easier. You know, this is getting a lot easier to make to make to make deals and placements. And if I do X, you know, I'll, I'll make Y. Um, and I think I just got to a point where I was like, again, naive. I was like, I can do this. I can do this on my own. But that's probably where it came in with um, my business partner that, that we set Curious up with because his skill set was more along the lines of probably operations and he ran a business for six years previously. So this was his second business and my first business. So there was definitely a good marriage of balanced skill sets where you know, I didn't know what pay tax was and the NICs and pensions and you know, how do we negotiate with job boards? Like that wasn't me. That was, that was, that was my, my business partner. But I, I knew I wanted to be embedded in, in something where I can make, uh, make more money selfishly you know I knew it was at a time uh, I get it, again it, I think it's that naivety of you know I, I remember sitting there going I'm making a placement but I'm only getting 20% of the deal and that company's only getting 80% of the deal. Yeah, yeah. I'm going well that's so, so the classic conversation down the pub isn't that like 
if 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 I was if I was making yeah if I was doing these deals for myself I'd be making X yeah exactly and I, I was like you know that's unfair like they're taking eighty percent and looking back now it's definitely fair because um, <laughs> <laughs> the amount of salaries and um, you know all, all the all the, the back office costs that you, you just don't see or no one tells you I about. think what, one of the things I don't know if you've experienced this on your business owner journey but journey but now I've sort of just being on my own journey and just the conversation I have with people like you and stuff, I'd really understand it. But I think one of the things that people definitely are naive about is like that they, most recruiters will probably get their commission paid before even that invoice has been paid as well. I don't, I don't know if that's like being common in your business journey, but that's definitely one of the things that I looking back, I'd be naive on. I'd be like, Oh, just did all, I've done all these deals, 20%, but that, that, that commission probably hasn't even fucking landed in the business account yet. It was being paid. You know what I mean? It's things like that, that you're totally naive about as well, as well as all the costs. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we joke about it. We joke, we joked about it a lot, you know, back when I was working with someone where we would do a deal, we would instantly be on a website or something we want to buy and adding stuff to our baskets. <laughs> um, like, we, we hadn't even paid it yet. It's like, this is what I'm spending my commission on. And we used to spend it on stupid stuff like, you know, big, big commission months and like Stormtrooper helmets and just just, just, just being really silly with money. Like, looking back now, it's just, it's ridiculous. But, um, but yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I think, you know, the, the mindset does flip on other things, you know, other issues in the business, you know, when you're, you know, sending invoices out. Yeah, I, I didn't even know really what an invoice was. I just filled out a form when I did a placement and I would send it to whoever in support was and said, here we go, here's a deal, pay me now. <laughs> so talk to, so obviously you touched on that a bit there. So like how, so the first business, Curious Associates, which is still going now, like you said, you, you've got self-belief, as you said, naively or not naively, but like how, how did you come across the, the chap that you went into business with? And then we'll talk a bit about that journey before we get into Reviver. Yeah, it was it was back in well after the summer of 2014, and I started just to get the the feelings of you know I want to do something on my own, or I would like to go and join a startup as like you know a kind of you know number two. Early, type yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really early. And um, I was put in touch with um, with his name's Alex, who's the old the old um, business partner. And uh, as weird as it sounds. At the start, we had the exact same alignment of vision and what we wanted out of out of the next chapter. But equally, you know, I've never really known this person on a personal level either. So, as weird as it sounds, we kind of uh, we kind of started dating. Like once a week, we would you know pop to like like a tapas and have a few beers and have some food and go for lunch here and there. And, and you know, there's obviously a notice period I had to give in in my last company, which was which was four weeks. So we kind of spent as much time in that four weeks just really, really getting to know each other yeah. and just seeing if, if we would get on with each other. Because I think that's really important, you know, going into business with with someone else. Um, you know, Do you have the same values as a, as a human being? That's really important. And do you have the same values in terms of what you want to get out of your recruitment recruitment career? Because um, then we'll talk, we'll talk about this in a minute or we'll down the line, but, you know, years ahead you know um you know people people are different they do change and if you've got one way of working and the other person has a different way of working you know you're going to continuously clash clash heads so you need to probably uh, agree up front that you're going to have some sort of uh, uh you know way of working but but anyway we um yeah we started dating in the sense of uh getting to know each other we decided it was a good fit we were into the same type of things like Again, like any anyone in recruitment, really in, in their early twenties, cars and watches and, and nights out and things. So, um, so you got along basically. So yeah, like, oh, right, yeah, let's yeah. do it. 
you know, like a house on fire. It was like, you know, it's, it was kind of at the time, it was like, not only have I just found who I think is like a potential good business partner, but this could be like a best mate. Yeah, yeah. Like it was that kind of type of, that kind of feeling. So yeah, we we got an office in, in Clifton. Yeah, I know what that is. What, what, what was the plan then? So you said you aligned, you got on, like what did you both agree was the sort of high level plan for your recruitment business? Yeah, so the, the plan at that time was to get us from two people, me me and him, to to kind of nearly double figures within within a couple of years. So that was like the loose, so that's what we want to get to. These are the kind of revenue figures we want to be punching. I People will argue with this, I, 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 I bet, but we were probably one of the first recruitment companies in Bristol at the time, uh, back in 2014, where we were rocking like flip-flops, shorts and hoodies to work. Um, <laughs> And in that age, and at that age, people were still wearing, you know, necks suits and yeah, ties yeah, yeah. and brown shoes to work. And it was, you know, it, it probably turned a couple of heads when, you know, we used to go for drinks after work and bump into, you know, fellow recruiters as, as Bristol is is inundated and very incestuous with just you're either in probably insurance or a state agency <laughs> or recruitment. It's one of the three. Um, but, um, you know, as soon as you see someone in a, in a blue suit, you, you knew they worked in recruitment. So, yeah, yeah. so they were quite shocked when they would ask what we would do when we would say we in recruitment. So, yeah, again, we, we, we kind of, we had an idea that we wanted to grow something, but equally have a lifestyle business in the sense of, you know, flexible working, uh, flexible attire. You know, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, we, we were all fed up of the, mundane KPIs and ridiculous KPIs and we just let's just focus on at that point let's focus on the outcomes let's focus on just billing deals um, and if we don't get there we can work backwards and go why aren't we billing what activity but I guess just kind of wing it would probably be the right thing Fair enough. You know, we, we both had confidence in in billing and we were just gonna gonna wing it so yeah we um we we hired a few people mainly like delivery people because we we were pretty good at, at you know getting a lot of new business and jobs on so we hired a couple couple chaps uh all really good guys actually who who delivered on that some you know just didn't work out some some were really good but yeah we, we went through about a two-year phase of you know hiring two losing one hiring two losing one and got up to that kind of double figures by kind of midway through year two we moved offices, got bigger offices, uh, you know, always kept in our, our same market, always focused on on exactly what, what we always planned to. But I think probably around year three, year four, things started to take a turn in the sense of we definitely wanted different things in the business. How did you come to realise that then? Was it like, did you have like monthly meetings? Was it just sort of, was it more of a gradual thing that you started to realise because you were thinking about things differently? Like how did that conversation come about? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry, the recruitment operating system for your front, middle, and back office. So I recently recorded a podcast with James Layton from the Anderson James Group, which will be out really soon. And as part of our conversation, we got into the topic of the best tools that he's invested in so far in his business journey. And guess what? Vincherry was up there and also Sourcebreaker was. But in this very short snippet, you're going to hear why James is so happy to be a Vincherry customer. And look, who's better to tell you about their product and why you should be considering Vincherry as your operating system partner than their customers themselves. Here's what James had to say. 
we implemented Vincere right in the heat of lockdown. We decided that it was the right time. The old system that we used was clunky. I'm a real, real, real believer of Vincere as a system. I must have recommended 20 people to Vincere over the years because I think they're going to change the game. And I can say that wholeheartedly, having used Bullhorn and another product, I can say that Vincere is number one in that world for a growing recruitment business because it's intuitive, it's got intelligence suites, it's got everything that you probably need to... Yeah, it's a whole operating system, not just a CRM, is it? Is this the whole point? Yeah, it's, and yeah. It, it's brilliant. And they're brilliant. Like, you know, Eloise and the team there, they're, they're great. And they're always there if you need them for anything. Yeah, I guess we did have, you know, these type of, you know, board meetings, but they were really informal. Like, we wouldn't be like, let's go sit in the in the office, in the, in the class office, have a chat. But, you know, we'd pop for lunch, we'd go grab a few beers after work. It was very informal. But I guess it just quickly... The decisions we made together started to fall apart, fall apart really quickly and then always revert back to what we wanted to change. So to give you an example, you know, we would make a, a really strong business decision to say, you know, we're going to be focusing on, you know, it could be this particular market, it could be it could be a particular way of working or, or working hours, for example. And we would go two or three weeks into sticking to that structure. And then all of a sudden from his side, it would revert back to what we were doing previously. And then we would sit down and have a chat and say, what's going on? And, you know, there'd be a few apologies shared and then we would go back to what we were doing. And then in terms of our, our, our plan, and then back again. Um, and I knew after about seven or eight attempts, and this was probably about a year's worth of, of, of this, I, I kind of knew that what he wanted was more of a true lifestyle business where they didn't really want to grow it above double figures and didn't really want to be involved in the business as much, just kind of wanted to set it up and, and let it be sustainable. Whereas I had quite, not aggressive growth plans, but to grow and, and keep learning and trying new things. Yeah, um, you just you just looked at the future differently. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it kind of got to that stage. And at the, the same time, it was really hard because we were now four, four and a half years in and I had to go to sleep each night with a question of, do I leave something that I've just put four and a half of blood, sweat and tears into? And that was the hardest thing. That was the hardest thing. So it actually took me about 12 months to eat that or stomach that that question and, and, and absorb it because I wasn't ready to throw the towel in after a few bickers or, or, or a few things. Um, I, I definitely tried to also look at his way of thinking and when, you know, could I survive and be interested with just having a lifestyle business? So I also put myself in his shoes and, and decided, you know, could, could I survive and want to do that? And is that something that, that, that I would like to do? Um, but yeah, it, it took about 12 months to actually figure out what I really, really wanted. And that's when the pandemic pretty much just started. Um, you know, when I, when I came to the decision that you know, I, I no longer want to be a part of something that I've spent nearly six years building, which is really, really hard. It was a hard place to be. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Jeez. In a good frame of mind. So the pandemic actually, for the first part, um, I've got three kids. You know, we were back as a family unit day in, day out and started to relearn what was really important to me. And um, it was really interesting. And then at the the kind of, you know, the, the summer of that 2020, that, that first year of the pandemic, I... I was just, you know, having conversations um, with my partner about how we go about separating, you know, how does it work? You know, I've never set the business before. So 
you know, do you leave? <laughs> do I leave? Um, like, what's what's going on? So, yeah, we, we again, we, we just sat down. We had chats for, for a few months. We tried to work it out. We tried to, to even potentially set up a completely new business that I would go and, and he would be kind of a small backer in. But I felt I felt I needed to get away and kind of do it all afresh. So, yeah, we sat down. We talked for months. Uh, we worked, worked out what we wanted to do. We left really amicably. Um, there were a number of big clients that, that I'd brought to the table over the years, you know, real, real big, big revenue clients that I wasn't, you know, not happy to leave behind. So we kind of worked out, you know, in terms of like shares and and, 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 and kind of a, it's called a compromise agreement, essentially. And I was allowed to, you know, take uh, a good number of named clients in that agreement and, and obviously the payout for the shares and things. So, yeah, we kind of, you know, kind of literally shook hands on day one, kind of weird to say, but I, I had to give him back my, my own laptop because technically it was a, a company laptop, but I had all my stuff on it. So the night before I'm there, like, you know, kind of saving everything to a hard drive <laughs> you know, in terms of all my personal stuff. Like I had pictures of my kids and family members and, and everything on there. So, yeah, so I was kind of like, where's I get that back? I was kind of, yeah, we, it was in the middle of the pandemic, like we shouldn't have been meeting, but we, I think we, we met in the Holiday Inn, uh, really mute, kind of neutral, kind of in the car park. It was kind of like a Fast and Furious style parking. So he went like that. <laughs> I kind of pulled up that way. Uh, we, oh, wow. we went down the windows, passing the laptop. We had a quick chat, shook hands, and then and then that was it. That was that was that was curious. Wow. Um, that was curious. Finished. So yeah, that yeah. was me and my journey done. So thank you for sharing that. I think I, I just want to like commend like it could have quite easily got nasty right so I, th- I think like I want to definitely commend like I think that's great that you both I'm sure there might be things that you're both like oh I wish this or whatever but ultimately it seems like yeah as you said it ended in the right way and um, I'm sure there's plenty that you've learned on mm. that that you're oh, now taking yeah. and moving forward yeah so I guess that's what I'd just be interested in before we go into like the reviver piece would just be like what what advice would you give to them if they're starting a business with another person? Because I feel like that that's where a lot of your learnings come from. Because as you said, you this person you dated for a bit of a period, you got on and then you built a business, you gave, you committed to this business relationship for six, six years. So it was, you ended up being, it was really hard decision to leave, even though it was maybe a business that you didn't enjoy working in every single day. So like, what, what advice would you give to people that maybe could help them be a bit more intentional? So... They may, I mean, it could happen, right? But they may not then have those difficult conversations year down the line to, I don't know. What what advice would you give to them, do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely say to kind of follow probably what, what I did. Um, I mean, there was nothing we did wrong. I just think, I think like both of our our mindsets probably, well, mine didn't, but, but the other one did. But it was mid kind of our journey together. And I guess people's mindsets do change. You know, you could wake up tomorrow and go, you know, I... I I want to be a postman, you know, I just want a simple life. Um, but in terms of advice I'll give, um, I'll definitely say just going into those early conversations about what you want is, although that it is a startup and you probably want to be wearing, you know, your flip-flops and probably in the pub chatting, try and approach the building of the business as professionally as you possibly can in the sense that pretend that you're actually about to set up a billion pound business. So rather than, you know, write, your figures on the back of a fag packet, which we did sometimes. Um, it would, you know, get on Excel, build a proper business plan. If you don't know how to, go speak to someone who does. You know, there's Google that to, out there to help you with, you know, kind of generic business plans. But, you know, go speak to someone who's done it before. You know, go ask them about why 
you know, what, what they should be thinking about when they're setting up a business and try and align those when you go and meet with that person you're setting up with and, and approach it in a professional manner. So you both know um, and can share, it could be presentations, business plans and, and try not to force it either. Like, you know, rather than saying, look, let's sit together and build a business plan together, both of you individually go build separate business plans and ask each other on that day to put your laptops next to each other and actually see if they do align. And if they don't, if, if, if there's something really off where there's red flags, you know, it's to probably tackle that really, really early. Otherwise, if they do align and you're, you're both in the same place, you both want, you know, similar things, then, you know, then, then you're, you're probably make, making a really safe bet going with that, that, that right person. I would also say uh, around, like, trying to find a good balance of skill sets. So if one of you's really good at, at new business and there's just two of you starting out, then, you know, uh, or you're picking someone to go with, find, try and find someone who kind of complements your strengths that, that probably you're not so good at. So for me, I my personal strength has always been, you know, first one in, last one out, I just get in, I want to you know, find roles, find candidates, be, be a traditional 360 recruiter. Whereas my business partner was also excellent at that, but his attention span was much shorter, that he would do it for a couple of weeks, get really bored, and then kind of wasted all the progress he'd done so mm. far. Whereas we don't really quickly, that all he's great at is negotiating like with suppliers. You know, if we needed a new office, he'll sort that out, telecoms, IT, all the back office, so all the payroll and, and dealing with all that side, insurance, um, you know, stationary orders. Like I, I personally don't want to be sat there, you know, halfway, halfway through the week panicking about a few DevOps candidates I can't find and, I, and I'm sat on Ryman's website trying to figure out, you know, should I be buying some board pens? Should I not? Like that just wasn't me. So yeah, finding a really good balance of skill sets to complement each other. Um, otherwise, you might be too much of a clash of heads. You might be doing too much of the same thing. But as long as, yeah, you go out there with good intentions that you like the person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Someone you think you can get on with because, you know, the you're going to be, and I, I hear it a lot when I speak to people in any job, you know, you're going to be probably being in a startup with this person more hours than you are your partner or you know, all your friends or, or wife or whatever so you know can you stomach sitting in a room with this person for 10 12 15 hours a day some days or you know, do you want to go for the you know for a beer with this person are they interesting enough to, to to work with and i think i think if you combine all that you know that that's probably my first step just understanding is that the right person to, to go in or get into bed with yeah yeah nice so let's talk about reviver then so like I've said this a few times on here, but I do feel like I don't know what your sort of experience or assumptions or opinion of like getting supported and backed by investors to start a recruitment company was before. But I think sometimes it can get a not so positive outlook on just because people assume they could earn way more money than if they do it on their own or they think they could get sort of done over and these types of things. I think this is really changing. I think I've spoke to a lot of sort of vehicles, companies that have really got the right intentions and, and like it's in their interest for them to be successful with the people they're supporting to be successful. But I think there's obviously, there's a number of like horror sort of stories out there, which maybe people have heard of as to why they might be put off the investment route. How did that start for you then? Like, like how did you, how did you even begin to look at the investment piece? This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. And all I wanted to tell you about today is one of their recent really useful and valuable articles. So a lot of you right now are probably thinking, how can I tap into 
more talent pools? How can I get more relevant candidates showing up in my searches, whether that's on your CRM, LinkedIn, wherever it may be? Well, this is Sourcebreakers World. So what they've recently done is published an article called The Power of Search, Five Ways You Can Improve Your Candidate Pool. So in this really short article, you will walk away with five practical ways that you can uncover and find talent that you're looking for that maybe might not show up if you're just using the the current ways of searching and what you're doing. I mean, what they've found from all of the surveys and data that they can look at is like 48% of searches typically contain errors. So if you want practical ways that you can uncover talent that you may be missing, click the link in the show notes, read the power of search, uh, get those tips, walk away with them, start using them, and let us know how you get on with those five tips and if you find some more people. Enjoy. Yeah, so uh, finishing off from... Our story a minute ago, you know, when I shook hands with my old business partner and yeah. we, we left, it was um, already in play in my mind that I wanted to set up Reviver. At the time, actually, we were, you know, I, I came, the name was going to be Reviver X. I think it was very spacey in the sense of, you know, space time. And, uh, you know, we were not space recruiters. So I kind of, yeah, just kind of fell on Reviver in the end. But um, I, my intentions were actually to completely bootstrap it because you know, all of my clients I was walking away with in terms of my compromise agreements. So yeah, I, yeah. And I had, I had, I had kind of, you know, people in, you know, clients in play that were emailing me day one of, you know, RevivX or Reviver. Yeah, I need help. Yeah. And I actually had one client who came to me and said, Aaron, we need 75 people, but we only want to go with one recruiter. Can you help? Still thinking I was part of, of Curious. However, at this point, this is where it really changed because I was thinking about bootstrapping, you know, going on my own, just doing it from my kitchen um, on my own. Um, but there were some niggly things that that bothered me. Number one was I've just got out of six years of building and growing something and I felt I put so much blood, sweat and tears into it that I'd be resetting and going all the way back to square one. Number two, I've, I've just had an email basically being invited to a pitch to, to tender for 70 exclusive roles. And part of that pitch was, is it feasible to fill these in, in you know, three to six months? Um, and I'm sat there like, you know, my, 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 my gut's telling me, yeah, of course it is, you know, <laughs> on my own. And then in my heart's and my head's like, well, of course not. You know, you probably need at least five or six people around you minimum. Um, so this is where it got interesting. So I, I was then thinking, you know, how could I build my team really, really quickly to essentially win this massive account? Because I wanted this to be the definition of Reviver, our, our beginning, and a great entrance to our business by having, you know, half a million pounds of revenue come into our into our hands in year one, which a lot of companies fail to do in, in, in a couple of years. So I was knowingly that I'm not going to be able to hire people quickly because we're in the pandemic. Um, and then it, it kind of appeared to me, can, can we go out and get investment? Can we go out and find someone to support us? And then I started thinking, but what if I was to approach a recruitment company who are established who want to back me and for this project of hiring 70 people I can essentially use their recruiters to help me fill those roles so there's you know and give them some money of the project as well so I was talking the idea of how that came about um I had a chat with my 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 rectorec let's say that, that I've used before um and uh he's well um he's been 
yeah, 25 years um, in Bristol um, and, and other, other countries, other cities, sorry. So I was aware of my, my investor who were called the Recruitment Factory, which I spoke to uh, the Retorek, uh, a guy's name's Paul, and just said, look, you know, I know you recruit a lot for them. Can you set me up a meeting? So yeah, went, went down to a meeting, middle of the pandemic. Like at that point, it was kind of like, no one was like even seeing anyone. So it was kind of, it was probably my first encounter out of the house for about five or six months. So I went into the office, I had a chat with the the kind of the, the director owner of, of Recruitment Factory. And we just had a chat, like, what is it you want to do? I told him about, you know, what what is it, what is it we wanted to do? I kind of kept the project quiet at this point. I didn't want that to be kind of like the kind of set, yeah, that they want me. I wanted them to want me because they wanted me, not because I'm I'm about to bring, you know, half a million pounds to the table in, in kind of revenue and, and the potential to grow it with their other subsidiaries and brands. Um, you know, I kind of wanted them to kind of believe in, in something. So, yeah, we met a few times. Um, we met up in the offices, went for a few beers. We kind of got into discussions about what the business would look like and what, what is it we want to do. Um, and then we agreed on, um, you know, just formulating it, setting it up. And then right before we were about to sign the shareholders agreement, get the business formulated, your company's house and, and that registered and all that, I dropped the kind of bomb on the investor about this project. And that kind of overnight spearheaded into, right, we're going to get going on this straight away. So they basically then pulled in their best people from their recruitment company. So they they brought in their bid manager, they brought in the, the managing director who is like RPO 25 years experience they brought in a team of about eight people who do this day in day out and they sat on the pitch with me and pitched for the 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 tender for the project um and helped me kind of win it basically so it was kind of like eye-opening i was like you know i've never i've never witnessed the amount of support being able to be switched on within like 10 minutes like i mean within 24 hours i had a slide deck of 20 slides by you know loads of great you know, infographics, market knowledge, market, you know, they, they, the, a lot of roles we recruit for are developers, so like .NET and C Sharp, and they they took market analysis of every role in the country, what the average salaries are, and we presented this back to the client to say, uh, and th- this was in 24 hours, and I was kind of like, wow, like if, if that's what we can do in 24 hours, kind of what, what can we do in, in five years? So, like, I'll be honest, you know, the investment wasn't, you know, I didn't wake up in... In the six months I decided to, to start Reviver or Revivex at the time, um, I didn't want to go and do an investment. Um, I didn't want to give any of my business away because that's that was one of my pain points of leaving the last business is because I, I, another person. So my back was in, up instantly from, from minute one. I was kind of like, this isn't right. But by the minute we kind of did set up the company and we got everything going. I was just shocked by how my decisions were turned and how my mindset on it turned really quickly. And looking back in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it any other way. So we're we're nine months into the journey. My biggest worry was that I'm gonna have to report to an investor every every week, every day, every month and if they're, you know, supporting us and stuff, like I'm, you know, they're going to want some back. So my, my biggest worry was I'm going to be endlessly printing off, going to board pack meetings with charts and, you know, just wasting time talking about like growth and, and, and stuff with someone who's not really involved in the business. So that was my biggest worry. But nine months looking back, they kind of just like, without sounding too simplistic, they kind of kind of leave you to it. So, you know, they're there when I need them. 
so I, I met up with um, the, the owner of, of Recruitment Factory yesterday for lunch. We talked about, you know, kind of the last nine months, what's been good, what's not been so good, what, what do we want to do year two? And how can we start building a more defined story of, of Reviver in the sense of where, where do we want to go in the next couple of years and where's our identity? But that was just me popping, you know, them a message saying, hey, can we go for lunch? And, you know, I feel, I feel like I needed some support this month because it's been... Well, immediate value, that, like immediate experience of like how getting involved with a business, people like this could help. I think it's invaluable because it's just another voice to bounce off of. It doesn't actually matter what they say. So if, if they told me what they wanted to tell me in, in German or Chinese um, and I didn't understand what they said, it would still be useful because I've just got someone to take my pressures and pains that I get as a, as a business owner and actually just roll it off on someone else to, to, to just, you know, kind of hopefully just, just get it out. Because you, 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 know, you do bottle things up, you know, you, you second question and doubt and, and, and every day you, yeah, you worry about so many things. And going back to what you're talking about, just having someone as a support there is really, really invaluable. But the kind of setup we're in, that it's not obvious to people that are listening to this or thinking about going into investment themselves is is how it simply works is we still run our own business completely autonomously and they they send me an invoice every month and I pay an invoice and that invoice includes my account so I don't have to get an accountant uh, I use their own accountant which is a fifth of the price because he does all their accounts I use their job boards. So I use seven main job boards and LinkedIn Recruiter, which not too fuzzy on the, on the prices at the minute, but the last time I bought Recruiter at Curious, it was, I think, 300 and, yeah, 300 quid a license. Uh, we get it for about 80 quid a license because our support model buy hundreds and hundreds of licenses, you know, so, so, so we get that even cheaper. They send me an invoice for job boards, accounting, IT, so they've got their own IT team. Um, so when I got a new starter, I just, you know, IT at Recruitment Factory. Yeah, look, I got a new starter, I need a laptop, I need this on the laptop. You know, here's their email, can you set that all up? And then on day one, it gets shipped to my office or, or a couple of days before day one, gets shipped to my office and they're ready to get going. So in essence, all they do is, you know, in terms of the financial model is they, they just send me an invoice and I pay that per month out of my own PNL. And um, yeah, you know, they, they kind of act as, I guess, like a support model, like an incubation really, which um, has worked, you know, so far so good. It's, it's been a really, really interesting nine months for Reviver. And then what's just, just to wrap that up, I, I really like the different sort of solutions that you've come up with and, and have. So, and then just to tie that together then, because I think this would be under the shareholders agreement and stuff like, is it just straight equity split or would you mind just sharing that? Because I think that's what people would be interested in as well. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So it is all done on, on a case by case basis. So, you know, approach it as you would going to take a normal salary job. Simon might be on 50,000, but Michael might be on 80,000. Putting it simply, I I went in there and went, I've got three kids. Uh, my mortgage is this month, uh, this this amount. Um, oh my, my, my um, bills and everything. So I need X amount to live. And I went in there and said, you know, in terms of what we're capable of doing um, and how much I need to earn, this is how much I want to take out of the business year one. Um, and for that amount and your support, I agreed uh, to go in on... on um, so it's 25% equity to begin with, with a scaling, like a kicker, kind of sliding scale, 
which once we hit a certain amount of revenue, it goes from like 25% to like uh, 35 and then 35 to 50 and then um, then upwards from there till a point where there's no, uh, there's kind of a, a, a plateauing, there's a stop to it. I, I have heard of some recruitment investors like, you know, you can like buy yourself out or it goes all the way to 100% ownership over time and stuff. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure of those, but on this one, I mean, my agreement is that they're always going to own some part of my business, however much that is. Um, which for me, yeah, I, I'm sure people might listen to this or, or might be thinking of this and going, yeah, why would you do that? Why are you giving a piece of pie away? But I guess I do look back and go, it really depends on the person. Um, for me, uh, for me, what's important unselfishly is the brand and the company, not me. So if you're thinking about what you want to earn, um, you know, making the most money. And if you're a good recruiter, you're just better off sitting in your own bedroom being a bedroom recruiter. If you can bill half a million a year and you're self-employed, you're going to be earning, you know, 400 grand a year. Um, you know, why, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to earn 400 grand a year in any startup, you know, growing for the first five years. <laughs> um, so if, if money is number one, you know, number one thing you, your motivation to for, then, then go sit in your bedroom and do it on your own. For me, it's not about the money. It's, you know, things like legacy, purpose, uh, yeah, growing something, very social creature. So, you know, love going for beers with the team and, and things. So for me, I looked at it and went, does it matter if I own 100% or own 75%? At the end of the day, you know, as long as I'm paid, my bills are paid, you know, there's there's some change left over, you know, to, to you know, do things like go on holidays and not worry about money so, so, so much, then... You know, uh, all the money that we're going to be making and we are making is just going back into hiring the next five people and the next 10 people anyway. So you're never really going to be, you know, kind of, you know, plush with with, with money in, in startup anyway. Um, so that's our structure. No, thanks for sharing that. I, I appreciate it because I know it's really interesting for people. I've spoke to so many sort of growing consultancies now that started in COVID, right? I, I'm personally, from my sort of where I sit, I'm, I'm really excited to see the types of recruitment businesses that are around in another, like like you guys, two, three years time. Because I, I really do feel like they have just a different feel about them, personally, from all the conversations I'm having. So what has ended up being then like some of, so firstly, like what has really worked for you guys so far, have you found? Because this is this is a completely different environment that you would have experienced your whole time in Curious. Like what, what has really worked for you guys in terms of hitting the numbers that you need to achieve in your goals, whether it be win clients, delivering what you need to, I don't know, what, in that conversation yesterday, like, what, what have you really learned that's really been working? Yeah, it's, good. it's a really good question. And, and it's something I ask myself kind of every day, you know, every single day I wake up. The first thing would probably be just defining who you want to be as a company. And how I, how I got to this is a bit of help. So, someone asked me when I did finish with Curious, they said, pick one recruitment company in Bristol that if you wanted to be an employee, you would go and join. And I picked one. Uh, I'm not going to say their name. Uh, I don't want to give. Uh, I don't want to give them credit. Um, but um, uh, I picked one, and then I thought. I, I thought about that question a lot, and I really like that question. And I, so I said, with Reviver, why don't we pick five recruitment companies in Bristol that we really like for different reasons? So one for growth, two for their professionalism, three for their staff retention, three for their loyalty, and and five for you know the kind of the buzz around them. So like different things that they're doing really well. Um, and we kind of, you know, uh, picked apart, uh, or I picked apart, like why I did like them and what they were doing well, and then we tried to build our values based off, off what those businesses are. So, 
you know, things like being a more modernised dress down is obviously a really big part of that. Um, but equally taking the kind of harsh, not harsh, but the, the structured KPI environment from other businesses that, that we quite like, like, you know, uh, and I probably will name these guys, but the likes of, um, you know, your computer futures and opuses, you know, in Bristol, although you might not want to go join for them or join them, you pretty much respect them given the success they've had um, and, and their ability to take fresh trainees and turn them into really high bidding consultants. They must be doing something right. So we tried to kind of work out really quickly of all the companies that we really liked of, of how they're doing it and, and, and how we go about replicating that for us and keeping to our values. So like one of the biggest things uh, in that was was training. So we're very regimented in half four till five o'clock. Um, we, do, we do training every day. So that might be as simple as standing up, you know, on our boards and writing down, you know, a topic and we'll pick a different, you know, person, we'll, we write topics down at the start of the week and someone will pick a topic and we'll just all discuss talk about it for half an hour or we might use uh recently recruitment mentors where the the guys can um you know they have been logging on to be fair to them and, and, and joining the thursday um four o'clock four o'clock uh live sessions which they've you know instantly took all that information and just then applied it to what they've been doing anyway and, and, and trying different things and it's been working so yeah in a nutshell you know we we basically picked apart all these companies we embedded in training that was really really big for us um and just enjoy what we're doing i guess the minute you you stop enjoying it then you know your it kind of turns into you know a kind of mundane job um you know we want to have a bit of fun doing it as well and then what about in terms of like the the client business side like what what's been really working for you guys in terms of winning business delivering on projects obviously you've got your Three ways of working, sidekick, accomplice, henchman. Like what, what's been working on that front before we finish that you're finding in the market? We're basically just taking three main services. So everyone knows contingency recruitment, which is our sidekick, just normal recruitment. We do a lot of retained business here. Um, we call that accomplice. And then we do kind of what we call like uh, on-demand on talent solutions, which used to be really called RPO years ago. And now it's kind of on-demand is kind of, you know, a, a company doesn't want to hire an internal recruitment team, but they don't really want to pay agency costs. So, you know, can we, you know, revive a sit on site of that client and then deliver upon all the roles that you're recruiting for, for a cost. And that's what we've been doing a lot of this year with, with a couple of clients. But what's been working really well for us this year, the kind of definitive stuff is, is trying to break the boundaries, think outside the box and be really creative with our content. We know in this crazy market that just normal mass mail shotting and, and sending out blanket emails to, to candidates is, is not going to get you the response rate you want. We're inundated with jobs, we're inundated with, with activity of, of clients wanting people, like that's that's what it is at the minute. But our larger challenge is being able to get out there and, and engage with the right candidates. And we did sit down for a long time just trying to get in the minds of our candidates of why why would they why would they want to engage with Reviver as a community agency over our other competitors or other businesses or at all? And it's, you know, going back to things like honesty, trust, branding. So, you know, we got Beth in, who's our marketing executive. Uh, that was a huge step in the right direction for us of, you know, building out cool content. Like we, we've been developing job adverts completely written in code. We got... Um, you know, a developer to write a job for out in code. And we posted that, you know, into personal messages to LinkedIn. We started that in June. And by the end of July, 
we tallied up something like eight placements just from messages from, from LinkedIn, from just from that code. So we sent that code, candidate came back and said, oh, wow, never seen this before. This is really cool. This is interesting. Uh, yeah, sure, let's have a chat. Uh, and then we called up, outlined the opportunity, gave them a kind of superior, did recruitment, got the offers, placed them. Um, so we're kind of talking at, you know, around 70 odd thousand pounds in intrinsic value to those messages alone. So we've started there and, and we're just, you know, daily we are, thinking about outside the box of how can we attract and engage with our audience basically so yeah that's what's working for us i love that that's awesome so talk to us before we finish then talk to us about so thinking about this lunch then next year like how do you view the future what what's on your mind how are you feeling about it i actually had to build a uh, five-year plan uh for not not for anyone but believe it or not someone i'm interviewing to hopefully come join us he asked me to put together a five-year plan. Otherwise, you know, he, he didn't say he wasn't interested to see or talk, but he was like, you know, for me to be interested, I need to know your five-year plan. So I was building something uh, on the weekend. And um, yeah, I mean, it's really simple. We're just going to replicate what we're doing in terms of believing in our values, living, living and breathing our values, trying to work with good clients. So recognizing, you know, good business over just normal business and just trying to offer a superior experience for not only candidates and clients but for our own staff as well there's always been that like stigma of you know do we put candidate client or our own employees first i guess we're just going to put everyone on the same level we're going to go the next 12 months on growing the team so a couple key hires of you know what i would call a senior recruiters you know self-established people that want to come join a really exciting startup like us um followed by a kind of mini graduate academy next year so I kind of want to get, you know, six, maybe more uh, graduates out of 2022 university who want to embark a career in recruitment and then continue that pattern really for a few years up into the point where we're about 25, 30 heads. And then at that point, I kind of see us then just replicating what we're doing, but in a completely new office. I guess turn from a, from a business to a company or a company to a business, one of the other, what other that culture just then becomes one size fits all. So if we can get to that 25 stage, which we're on track to hopefully get there ahead of time, and then replicate that in London, Manchester, Amsterdam, Barcelona, um, you know, I guess recruitment is now in a modern day world where we can set up anywhere. You know, it's 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 different to what it used to be. So yeah, that that's our plan. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for being honest, really transparent, sharing those. I know people listening to this will. Yeah, really bad estimate route and you've been really transparent with that. So yeah, I just want to say thank you. I think whenever we've spoken, I've been really impressed with like, yeah, just your your mindset towards, yeah, giving your team and people the best chance to learn, develop, perform. Um, I'm really excited to see where you guys are in a, another couple of years. So just a, a massive thanks for, for coming on the pod. Thank you. You know, it's been, it's been interesting. Really good. Thanks a lot. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back 
next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.